You are listening to the Art Wonk Podcasts, a show where we take a deep dive into what it takes to be successful in marketing if you are a visual artist or craftsperson. We will explore how the art world works as well as how to better achieve your professional goals. I am Neville Park, your host and resident Art Wonk. So settle in and join me as we get today's show underway. Hey everyone, hey, welcome into this episode, episode number 31 of the Art Wonk podcast series. Well, I guess I'm going to do what I've done before. I'm going to start by saying I'm sorry for the delays. Yeah, I've been engaged in life yet again and you don't need to hear all the excuses. Let's just say I've been having a lot of fun making stuff. Uh, My art practice at the moment is absolutely romping along and I've... I've just chosen the angle grinder over the microphone is really what it comes down to. I'm having a real, real good patch of of creativity and I'm enjoying making. So I hope you're going through something similar. Now, the reason that I finally got on top of my backlog of jobs and you're one of them is because of uh, we've got a COVID lockdown right now and it's no fun, but it has given me an opportunity to one, appreciate the beautiful place I live in and two, sit down at my desk and actually get on top of jobs. So we've got a number of things coming through the system now because of this. This is episode one of a uh, an interview uh, I've split into two shows. So show one is cut up, basically it's just we're having so much fun and the information was so good of value that I decided to put a break in there and do it as two episodes. So this is episode one. Sarah McClintock, who is the, um, gosh, she's the chief curator and the head of the collections um, department of the Suter Gallery in Nelson. The Suter is one of New Zealand's oldest public galleries. It's a beautiful space. It's a lovely gallery. And um, Sarah's mark is made very clearly on it in how she's engaging and the way that she's forming the conversational value between our community and the art shown at the Suta. So it's been really cool to get a chance to sit down with her. And I wish up front to thank her because I'm not altogether sure in all of the fun we were having that I did it properly during the interview. So two shows. First one is really just literally half of it. Uh, I would draw your attention to the fact that this is very, very much an enlightening conversation for me and I hope for you. Uh, Sarah works in a world that's quite different from mine. The corporate side of the public gallery world, the academic side, all of that is something that I've not had much to do with. I've been focused every day on survival and the graft of, of being a working artist and a gallerist. And as such, I made a number of assumptions and she completely blew them out of the water. It was wonderful to hear her take especially when she was reinforcing both um, paradigms and standards that I choose to live by. She uses practices that are very, very similar to ours in the the world of of the commercial art practitioner. And, And most importantly, her openness in terms of how to go about engaging was just so helpful. It really gave me a sense that wow, this isn't another world. It's just another layer of our world. And that was terrific because I think 
For a lot of us, there is that sense of doubt that often will drive our decision-making, but there's also sense of other or that we're not worthy, we, we can deal with those whole imposter syndrome things. And what she did was laid out how to engage with her world, not only in an informative way, but a friendly way. And that's great. So settle in, grab yourself a drink. I'd suggest a, a, a good sit down where you can sit and listen and really soak this up because it was fun. And uh, yeah, I will see you on part two. Enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome into this episode of the Art Wonk Podcast. Today we've got Sarah McClintock. I've spelled that, pronounced that right? Yes, perfect. Ah, terrific. Um, Sarah is from the Suter Gallery in Nelson. And how would you describe, your, what's your job description? So my full title is Curator and Collection Manager, which is quite expansive. Yeah. Um, most galleries just have a curator or just have a collection manager, but... We've got a small enough collection that I am everything and anything at the Suter. So um, broadly speaking, I look after the collection, but um, one of my primary roles, my sort of front-facing role to the, um, and let's be honest, the role I'm most excited about, is on where I organise all of the exhibitions that we put on. Oh, wonderful. So um, we've got people listening from all around the world. Could you give us kind of an overview? What is the Suter? So how do we describe it as a regional gallery? Yeah, it's definitely the regional gallery for um, the Nelson-Tasman region. So think of the, the major public art gallery, um, which means that we're, um, we're, we're not a for sale gallery. We're um, funded through council and charities and things like that and the public and um, we put on educative and interesting and exciting exhibitions that um, people from around the country and, um, but really sort of representing the region for what public art is. Terrific. So you've got then, um, there's a whole lot in that to unpack. Um, you've got council funding, so you're obviously responsible to meeting a, a number of criteria for different different inputs and different um, funding agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said there that you, you're you not a for sale gallery, so the, you're not driven by market as such. No, we're um, although we're a business, because these days everything is a business, we are a capitalist society, <laughs> yes, yeah. um, but our primary focus is not making money from art, it's from um, showing and educating and um, informing people. Terrific. So as a collection... How big a collection does the suitor have? Only about 1,500 works. Oh, um, look, I wouldn't mind a collection that big. I mean, that's... That, the last gallery I was at had about 9,000 works in the collection, so it seems like very manageable to me. And you said curator. Uh, in my mind, um, I don't know, when I think curating, I tend to think care and, and all that type of thing. Is there elements of that in there? There is. That's in the collection management side. I think the title curator is really interesting because it has... It has evolved so much over the years. So the traditional old school idea of a curator is someone who that's you know you're you're looking after you're the custodian in a way of works. Um, these days you can curate anything from your book collection to your social media feed to art. Wow. Um, and that's about um, and so that mode of curating really is. It's through my lens and through certain lenses that I put on art that I create an experience of art for people. 
So when you're responsible for curating and um, I guess since you're managing also the, the acquisition side of things, is this something that is done as a single voice? Do you have autonomy or are you part of a team? How? Well, we're a pretty small team. We, um, uh, we only have about three full-time staff members at the gallery. We have a few, a few other um, part-time staff members. Um, but through the collection side of it, it's, um, we have what's called a uh, collection committee, which all of, the, um, uh, all of our purchases, all of our gifts that come to the gallery come through that, through the lens of a policy that we have. So I can have an opinion and I can be very forthright about my opinion of what should and should, shouldn't enter the collection. And if I make a good enough argument, then some things will enter, but not all the time. Okay, so well, that that sounds healthy. So you've got stops and checks and balances and things because you are representing, you know, a, a cultural value system that's kind of hard to define, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The communities change all the time. Exactly, and one person cannot represent an entire community. No, no, and we all try, but we <laughs> we think our opinion is valid, but somebody else will always have a different one. So, so. There's a couple of things here that I'd really love to, to, to explore, but I want to just go a little further down. You know, people say um, who are listening in Canada and other places, they will often refer to museums in mm-hmm. ways we would use the term gallery. Is, is, do you know of any definition that helps just so they can better own? For a start, they should go to the Suter website um, and have a look because it's a glorious little, I, I don't mean to be insulting by saying little, but it's it's a regional gallery, but it's really is beautifully done, isn't it? I think the, the benefit we have is that we're, um, for from an Aotearoa standpoint, a very old gallery. That there were 121 turning 122 this year. So we have that history to lean on. But um, it is... Like curator, the word museum and gallery has sort of muddied over the time, sort of art museum and art gallery. If you're kind of maybe a purist about it, you think an art museum is more traditional, has a building most of their exhibitions from their collection, whereas in an art gallery might be a little bit more contemporary and it's bringing artists in. I think both fit the suitor because we are both um, curating exhibitions from our collection but also bringing in artists to um, to show new work or to show older work that are not part of the collection. So the Art Wonk is all about marketing, how we engage with the marketplace and we've already established through past shows that marketing isn't actually about selling and mm-hmm. that's that's a part of marketing, it's, it's about communicating uh, and progressing a journey. Uh, and if people want to engage in a level with you, like they would like to have their artwork shown in a gallery or collected by a, a regional gallery, uh, is this something that there's a formal process? Is it something you trained into? How? How? Maybe we we'll go backwards one step. How did you end up where you are? So I took my first art history class when I was sixteen years old and fell in love. Ah. Um. And luckily had parents who, when I told them I was going to pursue art history, didn't tell, didn't discourage me, didn't say to me things like, what are you going to do? What's your career? They just trusted that I knew what I wanted and I could make it work. And so I um, went through university, got my master's degree in art history. Um, but of course, I, um, I had the the great joy of graduating in 2008. So that oh. means... <laughs> the, the world financial system fell apart. Exactly. Yeah. So I was 
count myself incredibly lucky that I'd managed to get a job with Archives New Zealand almost you know, a couple of months after I had finished my master's. Oh, well done. And I was very lucky, even more lucky, in that I had a manager who knew that art was what I was interested in, so let me work with their art collection and work with artists that wanted to access um, the, the um, uh, archives. And after a few couple of years there, um, we work in an industry where if you want to be a curator, you need to be willing to move to anywhere and everywhere. So a job came up at a, um, another regional gallery and I packed up my life in Wellington and I haven't looked back since. Oh, well done. So for starter, is this something you'd recommend to others? I mean, it's a small career choice um, or band within New Zealand, um, but... You know, there will be people who are listening going, oh, now this sounds like me. Is, is it something that's, you know, growing? Um, I would I say the same thing to artists that I say to people who want to be curators. If there's anything else you think you could be happy doing, do that. Right. <laughs> because this is, a, you you have to make quite a few sacrifices to to be successful in these fields. And I know a lot of, I've, I've said a lot of it is luck, but a lot of it is very hard work. Um, uh, and... A lot of it, you know, we're in in an industry which some people make a lot of money, but most of us don't. Yeah, that Um, pyramid's always got a really broad base and a tiny little top. And this idea that what we're doing is um, is a vocation, that we're doing it for the love of it, when you're saying love doesn't pay my rent. Yeah. So um, uh, for me... I, it's so essential, and I think part of that's because I fell in love with it when I was 16, very, you know, impressionable age, that I can't see myself doing anything else but I think what I always tell young people who want to get into curating is don't expect to like the very few there are very few people who you know go through university get their degree and get straight into a gallery in their um, city and stay there you have to be able to move and to really think about it what part of the industry what part of working in the arts really gets you excited yeah so there, there's obviously room there for subspecialty and things to you know grow into. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm an artist. I'm sitting in the community. I'm I'm looking at your gallery, going, "Oh my god, that's gorgeous! I wish my work would sit there. I, I, how can I get it there? Are you the person I would be hunting out? Is there a process? How how does this work? I mean, like anything in the arts, I find we're not the best at you know codifying or um, making things exactly the same it's all very personality driven and so everything is as I'm sure it's already everyone knows everything I say is for how it works for me yep um and that I at no matter where what stage you are in your career as an artist I want to meet you that doesn't mean you're going to get a show but there are things that I can help with by meeting someone earlier on in their practice to help them realize well what steps they need to take to get their work in the public gallery eventually. I see. Now, you're singing my tune because I've been telling everyone ever since episode one that you are not a product, you're a person, and you need to make relationships first. The actual, the rest comes off being a person. I tell it to, I say to everyone I meet that don't necessarily have meetings with an exact goal in mind. It's so much about building relationships. I've met artists who there was no exhibition that we talked about, there was nothing promised, but five years later 
that relationship led to a major exhibition that won awards. And it's all about, and for me as well, it's safety from the artist perspective as well, is that I'm a big believer and I'm not... I'm not someone who's very like like vibes and things like that, but I really do believe that meeting someone in person and looking them in the eye makes you realise whether someone is if that person is someone you feel safe being someone who's showing your work. Wonderful word, safe too, because when it comes to the emotional value that we put on our work, that's one of the preeminent things that you want to actually you know look out for is the safety of your career, your your relationship building. Everything goes there. So we're not going to be coming to you to make a sale, but we are going to get value from the experience by branding, um, by brand alliance, because we're, we're being seen in the right place. How much does that weigh in your judgments? You, know, you, you obviously have to look out for the relationships you've already built, the reputation the gallery carries. Is that a filter that you put things through? It definitely is. I mean, we can't, especially because unlike a um, a commercial gallery, which usually has a shorter um, exhibition lifespan, most of our exhibitions are lasting about two to three months. So that's a big chunk of our program that in, in one of our gallery spaces that I can't be risking on someone who has maybe no experience showing and as you said, it's about you know leveraging our reputation and the artist's reputation, and that's not always the same thing. We're not always you know sometimes we want someone who is let's be honest much has a much bigger profile than us, so to bring us a profile. But sometimes we also want to have someone who has a very low profile that maybe we can expose to a broader audience because you know we as a gallery have decided this is someone that the community should really be celebrating more. So it's a, it's a uh, trying to be mutually beneficial as much as possible. I mean, I really hate the idea of you know that exposure is your payment, because it is a is true in a way. But I also don't want. To me, it makes it feel like the um, the relationship is unbalanced, and I think that's something in the art world that we've all experienced is these very difficult power relationships in which you know big galleries come in and say well we can do everything and anything we're doing you a favor and it's like we as a gallery do not exist without artists artists are doing us a favor as well so as long as we're approaching everything with an understanding that we are um, being mutually beneficial with each other I think that's the most important thing well that symbiosis is something that I've preached before as well Um, so a lot of people misunderstand the the impetus behind a commercial gallery as well. Um, we need to do exactly what you just described. You want to pull in names that help build relationships and, and validate your market share in terms of who you're talking to, why you're talking to them. But you also have to bring new blood. You have to bring innovation. You have to bring unusual and different things. They might not quite get the same star rights and, and there's always different ways of engagement, but uh, it sounds very similar. So... Anyone who's already engaged in an exercise of building their profile as an artist, they've got a focused idea of where they are, where they want to go. Um, Sounds to me at the moment anyway, like they could niche into this without it being too big a thing. So how do 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 you follow social media? How do you actually keep track of what's going on in the art world? Because I spend hours every week. I don't have a gallery right now, and it still takes me about three hours a week to go through all the formats that I go through just to keep up with trends, 
reading whatever's going on, making sure I'm informed because I'm trying to inform others. No, it's a um, it's a huge thing, and I when you're passionate about art. I always do have to remind myself that it's an important part of the job, not to feel guilty about doing things that I enjoy, which is, you know, listening to podcasts and um, uh, going through Instagram and going on to gallery websites. And it is really important that I'm kept abreast about what's happening because you need to be able to have that conversation and see what's happening in there so that, you know, as a gallery, we're not overlapping with other galleries. Um yeah, it's an important thing that I don't want to, you know, it's not good for an artist or a gallery to saturate the market too much um, because we're not necessarily interested in competing with other galleries for people who want to see the work of X artist. They're showing at five other galleries in Aotearoa. What's the, that then we're small enough country that if you really want to see that artist, you're going to see that work. And especially in Nelson, we were quite a well-travelled um, community here. Um, if an artist is showing in Wellington or Christchurch or Auckland, it's it's a high likelihood that the, if anyone's interested in art, they would have already seen it. So it's really important to keep abreast of those yeah, things. I, I, I can see that, that that's a battle. I mean, it's definitely one as a commercialist you have to keep in mind is uh, overexposure breeds contempt. Exactly. Uh, and we, we often will talk to the artist about that. The value is not in trying to capture every sale um, or every pair of eyes. It's capturing the right sales and the right pair of eyes. And, and um, you know, we see it regularly that there are people who are super good promoters. Mm-hmm. They put themselves everywhere, but they're not very good businesses because they put themselves everywhere. I've definitely had that conversation with artists where I've said to them, Especially in a small community like Nelson, I've said to them, don't show in Nelson for the next year. Because if they want to, say, show with us, I I like having an element of surprise in the exhibitions I curate. So I'm not really interested in showing an artist who nothing is going to be a surprise in what they're showing. What I want is for this to be a unique and singular experience. And that's actually really heartening to hear because that fits in with a commercial practice. Uh, And that's another area I've noticed that people seem to have this idea that you're either one or the other. Um, You know, when you engage in a gallery like yours, the the people that you're collecting and showing are still, you know, it's not like you're looking for just dead people, is it? Oh, definitely not. (laughs) So, So people still have to keep in mind that they're managing a career. It's... And again, I, I talk about exposure, not so much about sale, because if they oversaturate their, their exposure, you can't sell that show. And if you don't get the numbers through, you're not going to get the funding. If you don't get the funding, you can't get the other shows. So you, you're managing a resource, aren't you? And from a public gallery perspective, you can you can do that maybe once. You can have a big exhibition that tours um, uh, that maybe lasts about 18 months, but after that, you kind of need a fallow period um, because, as you said, if people see too much of your work, they stop seeking it out. They feel like it's just part of the grain. It's, part, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, And that is one of the reasons why I, I counsel people regularly on having a plan, understanding where you want to be and why you want to be there so that you can start making decisions 
based on what's good for that. Um, there's always lovely little shiny things that we run towards, <laughs> but not all of those are actually going to have you running in the direction you want to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm now excited. I've just found out that our gallery actually has somebody to talk to. Do you want people ringing you? Uh, how, how do you engage in this process if you're an outsider looking to come in? And obviously you said make, make yourself known, so just say hello is great. It doesn't have to be a full-on meeting where I'm quizzing you, but what, what would be the preferred way of engagement for you? I mean, I don't know any curator who is not incredibly busy. So I definitely wouldn't just drop into a gallery and say, is the curator here for me to have a chat with? Because nine times out of ten, the curator hears that and wants to pull their hair up because they're being, they've got a hundred other things they're trying to do. So I always say to artists, that drop, you know, maybe have a call or from my perspective, I love an email because an email is something that I can look at and I don't have to necessarily respond to straight away. Um, uh, and it means I can then look at my schedule and I really like, um, I will use any excuse to do this, is have a meeting over coffee because it gets <laughs> me away from my desk, a little bit more casual. But um, uh, I always like to have those sort of introductory talks and um, just get to know someone. And I've said to plenty of artists, just like, if you feel free to, you know, send me if you want to have I have a couple of artists who you know maybe every few months or so we we stop and have a coffee and they tell me what's happening in their practice and ask for advice or things like that all right so um I'm sending you an email because that sounds like I'm going to get the best response from you and it took us three weeks to get this meeting sorted because of how busy you are mm -hmm. um so I, I appreciate that uh, and that's what I'd expect in any commercial environment should I put in a, um, a web address or pictures of my artwork or anything like that at that initial stage? I mean, potentially, if it's a purely cold call and I have maybe no concept of who you are, it could be just a, you know, I just wanted to see if you're free for a catch-up. If you're wanting to have a look at some of my work, here are some, either as through a web link or through images. I wouldn't want to be overloaded by it yeah. um uh, you know there's nothing worse than getting an email which has you know a dozen attachments to it that i feel like i have to do too much homework before the meeting i actually find that the better way to do it is under your signature just have all of those things as part of your everyday email profile mm -hmm. uh, and that way if you're interested you'll find it if i put it above line um, it might draw attention, but equally, you're still going to find it. It's still on the same screen, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've got your attention. We, we kind of have a meeting. Why am I doing this? What, what can I hope to gain from getting into a relationship with a regional gallery or a national gallery for that matter? I, I, I do understand profile, Um but are there other things and tangibles that I might not expect, like guidance or you know what, what other things come? Well, I definitely think it's, um, uh, especially in a small country like New Zealand, there is, although I might not have met all curators and all artists, I know enough of them and we all know of each other that, and I know this is definitely the case with artists I've worked with, I will ask other people who I know has worked with that person, what are they like? And success breeds success. So if you can manage to get into a group exhibition or something like that in a regional gallery, that 
means that you're much more likely to get into another regional gallery because they will see, oh, you've already had gallery experience. I know you're a bit of a safer bet. Plus, I can always call up my colleague who worked with you and say, what were they actually like to work with? And I have been known with artists who I've had those sorts of long-term relationships with to send emails off to my um, uh, my curator friends who I know they're about to be approaching or have just approached just to vouch for them and say, I know you're going to get a proposal from this person. I just wanted to let you know X, Y, and Z about them. And that's wonderful. So again, I'm going to compare that back to the world I know better. We do the same thing. We're always looking to elevate our artists because if our artists go on and go better from us, we gain relevance in terms of becoming part of a channel or a funnel that's recognised. Um, and we also talk a lot amongst ourselves. We may be competitive when we're looking for a sale, but we're a small industry as well. So it sounds like whatever skill base I've built is transferable, and that's nice. It's not quite as mis mystical and different as I had maybe allowed myself to believe. So I'm now part of the system. I've got myself a conversation going. Is it normal that you might be included originally or initially, I should say, in a group show? Um, how, how might that look? Potentially. I mean, there are some artists who I've met who I've never shown. But um, there are equally others who, you know, sometimes it could be I meet you, I see your work, it really interests me, but I don't have anything immediately. And one thing to keep in mind with most art galleries, or public art galleries, is that we're programmed usually around three years in advance. So that's why I also say do not go and expecting an exhibition in a couple of months' time or even a year's time. Um, but potentially there'll be um, uh, that meeting, I'll see something that I like and it'll sow the seeds of an idea um, uh, that maybe in a couple of years' time will be a group exhibition that you're in. And then maybe... I really liked working with you on that and the response from the public was really good about the work and um, uh, I see a lot of potential in you going forward, then I might invite you to do a solo exhibition. So what if I've got a, a cohort, a group that I am already comfortable with that I think, I personally think um, there is some connection there. If we approached you as a group thinking that we're offering you a solution, like, oh, here you go, if a show falls over, hello, we're ready to go, um, that type of thing. It, does that convolute the conversation or tend to make it more, you know, how, how does that work for you? Um, it really depends. I mean, we as curators are not always the easiest of people and there are plenty of curators who have massive egos who... Welcome want, to the art world. I know. <laughs> There's who, no place for hubris here. Who want to have, you know, control. I, I like to work in a much more collaborative fashion, but I do know plenty of curators who, if someone approached them with a exhibition with it all tied in a bow, that would actually be a turn-off for them because they're like, well, what am what, I getting am out I of it? Yeah. What do I, I want to be part of the process? Because yep. I mean, um, uh, although a lot of curating is admin, it is actually a really cr um, creative endeavor as well oh you're, you're actually literally steering the voice of the organization I, I think that you can't get much more creative than you know making sure that it all it, it's yeah it's performance it's all sorts of things isn't it so my advice to most artists are that I mean I've had people approach me with a, with a solid idea for an exhibition which involves multiple artists and 
I said yes because the idea was good. They'd thought smartly about you know, ancillary spaces within the galleries. I always say that's particularly to young artists. You don't necessarily have to pitch for one of the big rooms. There yes. are plenty of galleries which have hallways or windows yep. that are mo- that are, are sort of less high risk from the gallery perspective. I know from the suitors' perspective, we have a little room called the Contemplation Gallery, which I will often um, put artists in who maybe have a little less public gallery experience because it's a little bit harder to screw up an exhibition in a small space than it is in a large space. Um, uh, but equally, I think from from a Nelson perspective, it's my way of giving sort of public gallery experience to some of the local artists who really want to be pushing their practice. Well, one of the things that I've pointed out to people over the years, um, and really, if I'm saying anything wrong, you will correct me, I of know. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I've said to them, look, on a written line, when it says that you had a show at the Suter, it never says how many square metres or how many square feet or how many pieces. It just says you had a show at the Suter. So, you know, th- this idea you have to conquer the place is really not necessary. You just have to build the relationship and grow with it. And, and I would rather a really good show of one work than a mediocre show of 20 works. Okay, great. You've just brought me into the next question. What should I be looking at in terms of what a show looks like? Obviously, they vary. Um, but what is a typical show for you? If, I, if, if, if you were doing a show around or with me um, and I had one of the, the biggest spaces, is there a sort of an ideal number that you work with? Or um, Again, because we show such a variety of... Um, uh, of mediums it really depends I mean I've had exhibitions which had hundreds of things in them because we wanted something that was you know lush and we did one show which was a collection-based show which had 125 works in the exhibition which was you know one wall had over 80 works on it it was huge Uh, but I've equally had other shows which have only had maybe you know five things in the room so I think a lot of that is approaching it with with the idea that things will change and adapt. And I'm also, I am also say to artists, especially if you're developing a work for, a body of work for exhibiting at the Suter, I'm never going to hold you 100% to your feet to the fire to say, you promise this, this is what you're going to deliver, because that's not how creativity works. Yeah. So I've heard a number of artists over the years say to me, oh, well, I'm working on um, getting 30 works together so I can approach a gallery. I don't know why 30 is a number that comes up over and over again, but it's like there's this weird communal sense of that's a good number to have. And I'm saying, no, you should approach before you actually even start in lots of ways because what if those 30 works are not suitable for what they want? You know, it's. And I always, um, one of my pet peeves is um, people who approach me and I can tell that I'm a BCC. People think they're being clever, but it's also always very clear when you're one of about a dozen other people who have got this pitch email Um, because I want I see every exhibition as being an installation doesn't matter if it's painting sculpture craft everything is space-based so I want to know why you want to show at the gallery what do you what spaces are you interested in and to me it's all about responding to the actual space you're in and that means that if you're just you know, pre-preparing 30 paintings or something and saying to the gallery, here it is, I'm just like, well, have you actually thought about, do we want to build more walls? Do we want to paint a wall? Do we want to um, 
know, how do we want to adapt this so that it's uh, um and I mean, the last thing I do as an of an exhibition is you know hang everything at fifteen hundred equally spaced because that's just not a great visual experience. Okay. And and so there's a couple of little things there that really excited me because. Most of us, if we have a relationship with a commercial gallery, we don't get a choice as to where they're going to hang things, how they're going to respond to my work in the space. Their their goal is to to talk to the conversation they've been building on, and um, you know there will be commercial viability issues and all sorts that attach themselves to decisions. Where I'm looking at what you just said, build walls. It's like my gosh, so you you will come to the artwork and and meet it in, in different ways that maybe isn't normally available. How much of that should I be aware of? Is it something to, to sort of explore in advance or does that come through conversation? I think a lot of it has to come through conversation because every gallery works in a slightly different way. All of us have slightly different budgets that we can work with. I mean, one thing I think from a public gallery perspective that I'm very aware of is that Although if you're making work, you can then go on and sell it somewhere else, but we're not selling your work. We also don't have a big budget to give to commission artists to make new work. So one thing I will do is is say, look, we can make this the most beautiful exhibition you've ever had by building brand new walls and doing whatever we can with lighting and things like that. Um, or potentially... Um, I will say the one great thing about today is publishing is a whole lot cheaper than it used to be. Absolutely. So yeah. we can we can come to the party with your writing. Um, so it's very difficult as an artist to get writing about your work. Yep. And from a curatorial perspective, that's one thing I'm really passionate about bringing to the party is saying, well, here is an outside perspective and now you'll have some critical text about your practice that you can then take on with you as a sort of calling card to other places. Oh, if you think about a well-lit, well-presented show that you can photograph um, without having to set that up as props and scenery, you know, it's, there is so much there. Yay! Hi everyone, it's Neville here again. Hey, just before I go, I want to remind you that we now have a new email address. It's info at theartwonk.com and also theartwonk.com is our website, which we're in the process of getting set up with show notes and follow-up from the shows. So please get in contact uh, with us if you have any questions or feedback, uh, especially if you feel that we somehow I glossed over something that's of importance to you. Uh, and yeah, really would enjoy having that that connection with you as somebody who's trying to be a creative in today's environment. Uh, and let me know if there's stuff that I'm missing out or stuff you'd like to know. So now I'm off to my studio. Happy creating!